My name is Laurens Jacht. And welcome to Cybersecurity Talks, the interview podcast for cybersecurity professionals and for those who aspire to become one. And in this podcast, I interview industry experts and explore what it's like to work in the cybersecurity domain. Join us on our journey and learn about the latest trends, real-life war stories, and everything you need to know about this fascinating industry. Welcome back to another episode of Cybersecurity Talks. Today, we're sitting down with a very special guest named Reinhard van der Meulen. Reinhard is not your classic cybersecurity expert, but he's a very techy guy and very intelligent as well, holding a master degree from Delft University. Some of the listeners now probably expect a master degree in computer science or artificial intelligence, but no, Reinhard graduated as an aerospace engineer. Almost directly after graduating, he started the company Type 22. This organization became the leading company in airport baggage handling by introducing the self-bag drop systems. These are the systems that you now see at Schiphol or other major airports across the world to drop off your luggage yourself. Type 22 built a great prototype themselves and their first main customer was KLM. However, to grow internationally and and improve their product, they needed to raise capital. So they joined forces with Ting Capital, a venture capitalist that provided the funding. With this funding, Type 22 was able to scale their business and soon their machines were at major airports all across the world. This of course raised the attention of other uh, large uh, baggage handling companies and the biggest one reached out to them uh, called CETA. Eventually, they decided to partner up and Type 22 was acquired and became part of CETA. After working there for a few more years, Reinhard joined Tint Capital, the company that actually helped him grow his own business. Reinhard is now an investment manager at Tint Capital, a venture capitalist, a venture capitalist with an investment fund fully dedicated to cybersecurity and IoT companies. The fund is called the Dutch Security Tech Fund. What a great story, Reinhard. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Laurens. Uh, we always start with a few standardized questions that uh, we ask cybersecurity experts, but I think you really know a lot about it yourself. So uh, let's get going. What you need to know about me. What meal do you start your day with? Uh, usually just uh, a muesli, something quick. Uh, try to make sure the kids eat something as well. <laughs> That's even more important. Uh, yeah. Uh, Android or iOS? iOS. What's your favorite phone app? I use the webcam a lot to check whether there's any waves at uh, Scheveningen, so. Okay, nice. Uh, working from home, office or a mix? Mix, yeah. Are you a gamer? No, not so much. I used to do a little bit uh, when I was uh, younger, but uh, it, if I start, I dive way too deep in <laughs> okay. and uh, I don't have the time. Uh, the next question is actually, what's your guilty pleasure? But maybe you've already answered that question then. <sighs> guilty pleasure? I I'm, I don't really have one because I think, uh, making sure you have fun in life is is pretty important for me. So I I don't have to do it like secretly. I, I just do it openly. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Laptop, desktop, server, or VM? Laptop. Cloud or on-prem? Cloud. First word that comes to mind when I say cybersecurity? A big problem. And your password is? I don't have a password. <laughs> and um, that's one of the things that I think is still a, a big problem to to solve. This is a public service announcement. Do you want to work with the next generation of cybersecurity professionals? Or do you want to start a career in cybersecurity yourself? Then join us, because we're on a mission to close the cybersecurity talent gap. We started a new educational company called The Guardianship. Here we train digital talent to become the next generation of cybersecurity professionals. For more information, go to theguardianship.nl. That is theguardianship.nl. Now let's get back to the episode. 
the beginnings. So thanks for uh, so much for joining uh, joining the show. Of course, you have a bit of a, an odd profile if you compare it with the other guests that uh, that we've had. But you uh, are very active in in the cybersecurity market. Uh, know a lot of people and, and companies in the industry. Uh, but I'm very curious about your own uh, journey, of course, because uh, you've been on a very impressive entrepreneurial journey. Can, can you take us uh, with you in, in the beginning of your career? Because you finalized your master in aerospace engineering. And what happened then? Yeah, that's that's a while back now. <laughs> um, so actually, I um, the, back in 2006, I graduated indeed from aerospace engineering. I studied uh, aerodynamics. Um, and uh, when I finished my studies, I was actually planning to take a job at, uh, at Shell. Did the Shell Gurami uh, business course, it was a lot of fun. Uh, Shell was, at that time, still like a, like a cool company to work for. Um, it, it unfortunately no longer is, I think. Um, and, but, but I met uh, Bart uh, and Rul and Leander uh, in the train. Uh, they were coming back from uh, Schiphol Airport where they did their master uh, thesis uh, uh, project. And I got talking to them uh, and they were doing something really interesting. Uh, and, and at some point uh, they asked, you know, would you like to join us to set up this company to pursue the, 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 the dream of, of making the, the idea they had into a, a real product and a business? And yeah, so that, that happened. Uh, after they graduated, we set up the company. That was yeah, in 2006, September. And um, in the first few years, we, uh, we were very young. We were naive, for sure. Um, uh, we had high hopes that uh, Schiphol would be a launching customer for a special, uh, it's not really a robot, but a palletizing solution to uh, load uh, baggage, hold luggage. Uh, into aircraft containers, and um, but it turned out that the, the funding that we needed wasn't going to come from Schiphol after all. They sent us back a, a polite but very clear letter <laughs> on that, um, and and then we started uh, to to do some consultancy uh, in um, in package handling uh, systems and, and and solutions. We worked with uh, Schiphol, with Vanderlande uh, Industries, a big uh, a big player in that market, a Dutch company. Uh, we developed the product and a year later we finally made the first uh, sales. Uh, Brussels Airport uh, was the first uh, customer and then uh, Geneva, uh, Rotterdam and then after that it yeah, fairly quickly spread to places like Hong Kong and uh, uh, Incheon in Korea, Los Angeles. Uh, yeah, spent a lot of time in the plane um, and in the beginning it's a lot of fun and after a while you, you really start to try and avoid it, um, you know, g going back and forth to Hong Kong uh, in 48 hours is, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a challenge. <laughs> yeah, I, there's, there's so many times that I didn't even leave the airport, you know, that I didn't go into the city. You just fly in, work, sleep in a hotel at the airport and fly out, basically, yeah. right? A very intense period, but it, it, was, it was a blast. You know, the, the company grew quickly. Um, and in 2015, we were about 35 or 40 people, a lot of, a lot of young people mixed, mixed with some um, experienced uh, salespeople, uh, project management. Um, and, and yeah, you know, we, we had investors. Uh, we got a call from an interested buyer and, uh, you know, that kick-started the whole acquisition process. 
which eventually led to the acquisition by CETA. But I'm sure there's going to be questions around that. Definitely. Later, definitely. So, yeah. yeah. No, what I, I'm really impressed with, with the story. Uh, some great entrepreneurship uh, with a lot of ups and downs and a, a lot of work, a lot of traveling. Yeah. But eventually you you guys did it. I, w- I was especially interested what you usually see if a, a big company sort of acquires a, a smaller organization or a startup, then the, the, the founders are required to also stay on board with the new company. And that t- time is usually around two or three years. But you, you guys also seem to step away after three years. Was this coincidence or was it already the feeling you had when you signed the papers joining them? Um, so yeah, th- there was an earnout period. So you have a financial incentive to to stay and, and perform. Um, but I, I never got into this with with the idea that I'm definitely going to leave after two years or three years. Uh, so I, I did give it my my best uh, shot. Um, and it, it was a in a sense a difficult decision because uh, you know as I said I had some wonderful colleagues that I have great respect for and I really have have had fantastic experience in, in aviation, uh, hearts in the right place. But uh, I got the feeling that everybody got stuck in a system where I was spending 90% of my time trying to get something done that seemed so logical that we, and that in the past would have taken a 10 minute conversation with my co-founders, right? Yeah. And and this was taking weeks, months, or didn't happen at all. Yeah, and that was so frustrating that you know the joy that I had felt of you know it was hard work, but you know I I never thought I don't want to go to work. You know I even with those long days traveling etc. You know y- you were doing something cool. You know the 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 fun for me was really that it it felt like such a victory almost that like a, an airport, you know, a, a massive organization that they decide to buy your stuff. You know, yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a real honor. Uh, and, and I'm still proud if, you know, we, we travel with the family and there's some of the, the devices that we've put in there, then, you know, this is, this is what I did, kids. You know, yeah. that's, and that's the, the, the feeling that we all had. You know, we were really proud that we achieved something like that. And it was, it was never about uh, the money or, 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 or you know, being an entrepreneur, that that was never the 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 incentive or the, the reason why we why we did that. But at, at, at a relatively young age, you also had a, a bit of a, a cash out. What what was that like? Yeah, and that, that's. I mean, you have to remember that after we we graduated from university, you know, all the other friends that we had, they got on and worked for Accenture and for uh, Shell or for Airbus and they had good jobs, you know, they were taking holidays to Hawaii and and we didn't get paid anything the first year. And then after that, we got uh, like a minimum salary for another year and a half. So uh, yeah, we were used to living on a budget, let's say. Um, And then when that acquisition comes, the, what it really did is give you that yeah, peace of mind, in a sense, you know, that you, you got some money in the bank and uh, you don't have to worry, your financial worries are gone. I mean, I, at some point you, you buy a house, and you've got kids and then, you know, things start to get a bit more expensive than when you're on your own. So um, that's, that's, I think, a really nice um, consequence of the, the journey, 
Um, and now in my current role, I sometimes speak to to entrepreneurs that that uh, come to me with like a a primary primary motivation of becoming wealthy. And although if you look at you know the most wealthy people out there, you know you don't get that wealthy in a normal job, right? So so that's true. Entrepreneurship is a way to achieve that. But if it's a primary driver. I don't think it's a good idea. Yeah, I really don't. Yeah. Uh, you need to have a a passion for what you're trying to achieve, and basically how you're trying to change the world a little bit, hopefully for the better. Um, and that passion is gonna, you know, might get you very, very far. Uh, but but doing it just for financial gains, I I don't think that's uh, yeah. that's very wise. Being resistant against advice. And uh, what's also special is that um, with the acquisition, so some money became available, but you joined uh, Tin Capital when they were starting uh, this 100% uh, or oriented fund for, for, for uh, cybersecurity. But I think you also invested some of your own money in the fund. And that's, that's also pretty cool. And I think uh, extraordinary, right? That, that's not super common. Yeah. Well, so actually... Um, we were approached to invest in the fund uh, before we joined uh, Think Capital as investment manager. So, ah, like that. Yeah. Um, uh, but on the other hand, it's f- it's fairly normal for uh, investment managers and, and partners to also participate in the fund because it shows uh, a level of confidence uh, in the outcome to other investors. Yeah. So, okay. yeah, and, and as I said, you know, we we now have the financial. Uh, freedom to do that kind of thing, um, and then and then you know if, if we now then get to to the day job, let's say um, that's the the stuff that I I really like is to to work with uh, passionate people that try to make a change that that try to achieve something that a lot of people will either say that that's uh, not possible or unlikely to to happen. Um, uh, while some competitors, uh, incumbents, uh, uh, large corporations may actually actively try to, uh, to, to, to block your efforts to, uh, to gain a little bit of market share. So, uh, I, I really like that. Um, they're not always the easiest people to work with, to be honest. You know, um, there is a, a German word, uh, uh, beratungsresistent. Uh, and German has quite a few uh, uh, interesting words, but that one comes to mind uh, uh, when I speak about some of the entrepreneurs that, that I meet. And it basically means that somebody who's resistant against advice. <laughs> okay. uh, yeah. So they, they might listen to you, but they will not do anything with the advice given. Um, but is it not also a part of being an entrepreneur that you are a bit stubborn and like to do things your own yeah. way? or? Yeah. maybe impatient so, so that you see something that bothers you mm-hmm. and you want to fix it i think as an entrepreneur you need to have the strength of character to go ahead with something that you know is the right thing to do yeah but you at the same time you have to doubt yourself all the time and say am i still on the right track am i doing the right thing should i take a left turn here or go straight on and some people don't ask that question Yep. They just go and they run until something will stop them. 
And that something is usually bankruptcy, but it could be something else. Um, but as an investor, that's it's quite a difficult character trait to deal with, because when we invest, you know, we have an interest in the success of the company, and not being able to help an entrepreneur because they they refuse to uh, take your advice into account it makes it very difficult to help. Really, yeah. right? Um, we're not there to take away the the joys and pleasures of entrepreneurship and the independence that you have. No, no, that's not what it's about. And actually, we, you know, we currently have fifteen uh, uh, portfolio companies. We're going to grow to probably nineteen by the end of the year. We couldn't run all of those companies by ourselves. We don't want to. You know, that's really not not what we're here to do. Um, but it would be great, especially with younger uh, uh, entrepreneurs, that they take advantage of the advice given. It doesn't have to be our advice. You know, we always uh, insist uh, that they put up an independent advisory board uh, with some very wise uh, people, grey hairs, all the all the life experience uh, uh, required, and and actually, you know, talk to them regularly about their business. Yeah. I, I find it very interesting. I, I could talk about this uh, for hours, but I think it's also interesting to to look at uh, at the transition from you being in the aviation industry and then jumping in, into cybersecurity. What was your first encounter with, with cybersecurity and also the moment you felt like, hey, this is going to be uh, a big thing? Um, I think like the first encounter is probably during my time at SITA. Uh, we had those compulsory um, yeah, awareness training uh, sessions, and uh, you know you got sent uh, a fake uh, a f- a phishing email. Yeah. And when you did click on the link or whatever, and uh, you had to kind of uh, take the training again, and if you failed again, you had to explain something, uh, yeah. you know, to your boss. And uh, but I always thought, you know what, it's. Um, is this it? You know, is this? It, it seems so. Um, awareness training, of course, it helps, but it's never going to be a hundred percent, right? Yeah, it can't be. I always thought, you know, what? It's good that they do something about this, but I'm not sure whether this is enough. You know, if you get a targeted phishing attack, somebody's going to click on the link. For sure. And then, yeah. as a company, if you don't have any other measures in place, uh, there's going to be some damage. And it's it's only really when I joined. Uh, in capital and 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 helped run the the fund that I I was exposed to it a lot more and um, the one thing that strikes me is that as an aerospace engineer safety is is paramount you know it's a hundred percent and there's there's few sectors I would say that takes safety as seriously as as aviation um, and that safety thinking. Yeah, always having uh, resilience, uh, backup uh, for every critical system, etc. That's the same thinking that you also see in cybersecurity. You know, when it's done well. Yeah. Um, so that that way of thinking, I I get right now. What's much more important with uh, cybersecurity is that there are adversaries. Right. There's people actually trying to break down those defenses. Uh, which is luckily a lot less the case in, in civil aviation. Um, so that, that also creates a very dynamic 
playing field, right? It, things change. It's not very, uh, very static. And that insight, together with lots of reports and, and discussions with experts, gives me the idea that we're going to be busy for a number of years before we really have cracked uh, cyber resilience. Uh, and I'm not sure whether we'll ever crack it, right? Yeah. But before all of the things that we do on a daily basis uh, uh, that involve a digital uh, factor have been uh, assessed and uh, um, repaired, essentially, from a cybersecurity and cyber resilience, cyber resilience um, perspective, uh, it's going to be a while. Yeah. How we invest. I really like the comparison between the, the aviation and cybersecurity. Yeah. Do, do you feel that your experience in aviation and also building your company from, from scratch to selling it to a major uh, player in the industry, does it help you now uh, when you see young founders, uh, you probably recognize something of yourself in, in them and then uh, maybe your advice can be very valuable, maybe even more valuable than just the financial uh, boost yeah and i i would agree yeah um th that's something that we've that we've noticed is that uh when we share our story when we explain to them that we have literally been in their seat on the other side of the table um that we know that you know building a company doesn't go in a straight line up it doesn't um that it helps um on the on the other hand, the the difference really between the safety focus in aviation and cybersecurity, I think, is that in aviation, everybody shares that urgency. And safety is paramount because if aviation is no longer safe, if every week there's uh, a news items on aircraft falling out of the sky. People will stop traveling and everybody will be hit, whether you're an airframe manufacturer, an engine manufacturer, whether you're an airline or an airport or a baggage handler, or even selling sandwiches at uh, at the car park of the airport, right? Everybody will be hit because people will stop traveling. And yeah. nobody thought it was possible until two years ago, but that can actually happen, right? Um, and in cybersecurity, it's a little bit different. Because yes, of course, anybody active in cybersecurity knows, knows how important it is. But on the customer side, it's much more around, you know, digitalization, let's, ma let's make sure there's business value, um, that we can work together more efficiently, that we share information and data. And the cybersecurity topic, unfortunately, is, is not seen as that important sometimes. And, and only when there's a breach, uh, you see that the cybersecurity, uh, the CISO budget is uh, increased significantly and, uh, and that there's, there's uh, the right focus on cybersecurity. Uh, and that, it makes it sometimes difficult to sell cybersecurity solutions and products to the customer. It's not always that easy. Yeah. Um, now it, it, it's considered as an expense, uh, not righteously so, but uh, it, mm -hmm. it's, it's not a, a revenue generating uh, concept usually. And and within uh, the cybersecurity space, are, are there some trends that, that you're seeing or predicting? Because you've, you've been active in the field now for, for three years. 
what are some some things that that uh, you as an investment company are are very much uh, interested in? Uh, that's a, that's a good question, and I'd like to maybe take a step back and explain a little bit how we invest. So our methodology, let's say. Um, some investors they sit back and they wait until they get emailed a pitch deck right and they look at that and then they decide whether to pursue investment or not we try to take a different approach right um because the pitch deck that we get others get as well right there's if you're raising capital as a as a startup you're not gonna you know bet on one vc right so um, so what we try to do is really understand the, the trends in cybersecurity. Where is the world moving to? What's going to be, uh, uh, um, you know, uh, everywhere in, let's say, five years' time? Um, a good example is external attack service management, right? It's something that three, four years ago, nobody had heard of. A few uh, 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 startups uh, uh, saw the light and started developing uh, uh, products for that. And now it's everywhere, you know? I mean, uh, uh, I'm not saying that every uh, customer has purchased a solution yet, but if you talk to uh, uh, to, uh, to vendors, to value-added resellers, to distributors, they will tell you that there's a lot of buzz around it. And, um, uh, you know, the, the acquisition of uh, CyberSprint by Darktrace uh, yeah. just uh, a few months Major. ago, yeah. you know, kind of highlights uh, that, right? And that's, we also have a, an external attack surface uh, management company in the portfolio, uh, Sweepatic. They're based in, in Leuven, in uh, Belgium. Um, you know, that, that's the kind of investments that we do because we see that, hey, that, that's, a, that's a trend, you know. Uh, yeah. th there is going to be uh, uh, more than average growth in that area, area compared to the cybersecurity sector as a whole, um, and uh, there will be a consolidation play at some point, point where the larger players will buy startups not just for their customers and turnover, but also for their technology, yeah. uh, and to basically uh, gain time uh, to add something uh, uh, to their own portfolio to be able to offer it to their customers. Yeah. What 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 are the trends that that you find particularly interesting now, or that are could be interesting yeah. now and are big in two or three years? Mm. Well, so so before I answer that one, uh, there's a, a little comparison that I often make uh, is why we focus more on trends than on specific companies or specific entrepreneurs. Okay, right? yep. I would happily turn down, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, Steve Jobs or uh, some of the big, big, uh, well-known entrepreneurs, if they came to me at the wrong time with an idea that doesn't fit our uh, worldview on where things are headed. If a fish, if a large fish tries to swim against the current, it's not going to come as far as a smaller fish that swims with the current, right? So, um, and it's especially also true for our own startup. We were successful because we did something at the right time. And we were early enough to, you know, to such that there was limited competition at the time. And when we sold, it was the hottest topic, right? And that's why the bigger players uh, started to buy startups like ours. And, and that's, that's very important. So 
the trends and to understand those trends is, is, is what we have to get right. If we get that right, then it becomes much easier to, to scout the, the companies that are in line with, uh, with that thinking. Now, external attack service management, I talked about that. Yeah. I think uh, um, that's, uh, that consolidation play is, is starting now. There's another uh, trend that I'm I'm a hundred percent convinced of, and that's um, a, a managed uh, security service uh, provision for smaller companies uh, uh, in Dutch MKB SMEs, right? yep. uh, uh, in an all-in-one package, right? Uh, coupled with the cybersecurity insurance, because. Um, if you run a small company, as you know, uh, Lawrence, uh, you're focused on growing your company and there's a hundred things that you have to do. And cybersecurity is just another, you know, thing on the list, right? And yeah. it's not at the top of your list normally, right? But if you get hit, you may have a very big problem. Um, so you really need a proposition whereby you can offer to a customer uh, a, an all-in-one package that, you know, helps them sleep well at night. Okay, and uh, a managed security uh, a service uh, package that takes that whole thing out of the hands of the IT department or even their uh, MSP, their external IT division, and and have that run by professionals that know what they're doing and that can can do that in a in a lean way, okay? so a, a, an affordable an affordable package. Uh, and, and add to that a cybersecurity risk insurance that basically, you can basically tell a customer, we've got your cybersecurity risks covered, right? And if there is a breach, we'll help you. And the financial consequences, consequences of that are covered by this insurance. The product market fit of that is super strong. Yeah. Right. And we've seen that in the US with Coalition Inc. They're, they're really big now. Um, and it's coming to Europe, you know, and that's that, that that's definitely a trend. You know, I I will bet heavily on that because you're an, an investment fund. Um, but how can you pr uh, predict or, or follow the trends? Is your job also consisting out of a lot of research? Are your colleagues also doing a lot of research and talking to companies? Are, are you the right folks to to decide what the trends are and and how would you do that? Well, uh, it's a good question, and time will tell, right? Uh, the, the 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 difficulty of trends is that quite often people have differences of opinion on them. Um, so, and that's a good thing, actually, because w what I don't do is I don't believe an expert when they say this is going to be the trend. I want to hear their arguments why they think that trend will materialize. And I will also talk to people who don't think that that's a trend. A good example is network detection, detection and response. Depending on who you talk to, some people say, you know what, that's, it's a dead end street, right? Uh, you really need to look at the endpoints. You have much better visibility there. Um, Networks are, uh, you know, what's a network these days? Because, you know, not everything is on-premise anymore as it used to be. It's dispersed, you know, bring your own device, working from home. Uh, uh, network traffic is more and more encrypted. So what you can learn from that uh, through network detection responses is more and more limited. So some people say, you know, don't invest in that. 
because it's 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 a dying product class yeah. basically right and others say you know what um but there's still plenty and not just still but in the future there will also be plenty of devices that you won't be able to run uh, uh, an endpoint uh, detection response agent on uh you know you talked about hospitals hospitals have a lot of it could be windows equipment but it's uh, you know a pc that's basically running a mri scanner yeah that's a certified piece of kit you are not allowed to put anything else on that machine apart from the software that it uses to uh, control the scanner. So, yeah, no endpoint detection response. So what are you going to do? Yeah, probably network. Yeah. No, but that's why I really love doing also these podcasts. Um, uh, I'm blessed to, to have a lot of different people here yeah. at the table. And that's uh, also really nice for, for you joining that. Um, you're also a big part of the ecosystem, so so that's uh, that's very uh, insightful to get your view on things as well. Yeah, but I I, I like the approach that uh, you have, and also before we started the podcast, you mentioned we're not only looking at the data or the financial data, but but really at the entrepreneurs and and the technology and and their vision. And uh, my understanding from a lot of uh, uh, VCs and private equity is that. They just look at the numbers and want to see growth, growth, growth. But I, th I think uh, your approach is very, uh, yeah, yeah. very cool. Geopolitical relevance. And uh, I think that the portfolio that you're running is, is coming to an end soon. Eh? That, that uh, you have around 19 or 20 uh, portfolio companies. But as I understood, there might be a, a second fund coming up. So that means. The cybersecurity industry is not dead yet. There's still plenty no, of uh, no, no, no. good opportunities out there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so we have, um, top of my head, 15 investments to date. Uh, the next one sh should close next week, fingers crossed. Um, and then another three. Uh, uh, and we also have some visibility on that. So I'm fairly confident that uh, in the next nine to 12 months, we'll be able to to close the, the investment period of the fund. So that means that we still do follow-on investments in portfolio companies yep. uh, and then uh, you know, start uh, together with the founders, look for exit opportunities. But that also means that, uh, you know, my job is is on the, the scouting side and, the, um, you know, the, the negotiations with the founders, etc. For me, it's time to to start working on, on the next uh, opportunity and uh, the first discussions internally are taking place, uh, and it, it, that might be another cybersecurity fund. We definitely see the the need for for further investment. Um, there's plenty of uh, research on that, and uh, the European Union uh, uh, is also prepared to to back VC and PE funds uh, okay. uh, that uh, invest in European cybersecurity. Companies, yep. and I think it's a one or two billion uh, euro funding that oh, they're well. uh, seeking to provide uh, as as funding fund investments mainly. Yeah, again, what you mentioned about the timing, uh, considering the geopolitic landscape, I, I can imagine uh, the European Commission also finds it a good time to uh, to scale scale uh, cybersecurity initiatives in Europe. Yes, and. I think the what you mentioned geopolit geopolitics that's important. Uh, I think 
five, ten years ago, nobody really cared. Uh, everybody was still uh, riding the globalization train and uh, things look good apart from Trump, maybe. Um, but I, that has really changed and shifted. And with uh, uh, the Pegasus spyware on uh, very senior politicians' uh, yep. uh, 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 mobile phones, uh, with a lot of stuff happening out there, um, people in government are starting to understand that in the digital space, being so dependent on uh, powerful uh, countries and uh, companies uh, that don't have the have your interests uh, at heart um, is maybe not the best thing, right? Uh, but it's gonna be it's gonna be tough, you know. The the, the a lot of the cybersecurity uh, funding is going to Israeli and uh, U.S. Uh, companies, um, so so something needs to happen in Europe anyway, uh, and if those startups and scale-ups are to be kept in Europe, you know, we need to have buyers as well, right? Or IPOs, of course. Yeah. Uh, not every company is 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 uh, suitable to, to take that uh, IPO path. But um, yeah, I there are definitely more US buyers than European buyers in the yeah. cybersecurity space. Yeah, that's, that's a fact. That's a very important to topic, yeah. Yeah. And also for, for customers, it, it really becomes valuable to be able to say, hey, this is cybersecurity made in Europe. And the European Cybersecurity Organization has created this label, uh, cybersecurity made in Europe, that we, you know, we push all of our portfolio companies to go and, and get that and promote that on their website and marketing collateral. Uh, yeah, especially yeah. in government, critical national infrastructure. Um, yeah. But that's something... Uh Sorry for interrupting, but but that's something to to worry about. I didn't realize it, but Cybersprint is a, a beautiful Dutch company, but uh, they grow, they become uh, yeah a, a little bit influential, almost to say. But then they're acquired by Dark Trace, which as far which as I know is the UK. US. No, oh, no, it's, uh, yeah. okay. it's uh, from from the UK. It's somewhere well, uh, somewhere in the middle. It, yeah, <laughs> let's, let's exactly. So what their status currently is is yeah, I don't know. But, the, but that that is dangerous for for the European mainland. If if we have good cybersecurity companies that grow, and that further want to grow, but um, if if then the buyers come from from the US mainly or. Israel, then eventually we lose uh, our people and, and our technology to to the other power fronts in, in the world. Yeah, and, and I think that uh, European uh, businesses, governments, um, I don't think in 2022 they will still decide to buy Russian or Chinese uh, uh, cybersecurity products. I didn't. I can't imagine that that's still happening. I, I don't know, but but um, that would be very naive, uh, to put it mildly. Um, now, Israeli and US, it's not the same level. But on the other hand, uh, uh, are these completely you know, clean and 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 uh, and not trying to at least have the option to get access when they want it? Well, I don't know. But it's it's going to be difficult, right? I mean, uh, at some point, you're going to have to trust somebody. Yeah. Huh? yeah. 
Uh, and it's also impossible for every country in the world to build up completely independently their own cybersecurity uh, 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 ecosystem uh, uh, with uh, uh, products and basically protection at the level that's competitive, uh, yeah. let's say. Well, with the transition to clouds, uh, the main cloud providers are also US companies where, mm -hmm. where we as European citizens store and citizens and companies uh, store our data. So in that sense, we yeah. we already gave away quite a bit and it, that trend doesn't seem to stop. So uh, I feel that's also uh, yeah. a, a big thing. We probably should have thought about a, a couple of years back. Yeah, <laughs> no, so I, I think it's even more serious than that. And, and, and I know that in China and, and the US, there are massive, massive government run data centers that basically store every bit of information that's sent through US or Chinese uh, servers over the internet. And sure, much of that is encrypted, but they'll just, we'll, we'll store it. And once we've got that nice uh, quantum computer, we'll take a look at that, you know, and yeah. you know, some of the information that's in those data centers, I don't think uh, the owners of the rightful owners of that information would be very happy at that time. Yeah. Uh, that others can take a look. Yeah. So, yeah, th 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 there has been a lot of naivety in, yeah. in the, over the past, and um, but it's good that there's still so much out there to to, to research and discover, and and perhaps in security also to to worry about. And I, I don't think this is uh, this is a wave that's going to be over in the next couple of years. My vision on on being an investment manager that's also a tough job. So you 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 could have done a lot of things. You had some financial freedom, but I think now you you are very much in a high paced environment and and having to work long hours, also making big financial decisions again. You also could have become a, a yoga teacher on Honolulu, yeah. but you <laughs> cancelled your job there. Yeah, I I I don't think that's for me though. No. Uh, <laughs> I, I I do like a challenge, you know, and uh, the with Bart and Rule and and Martin and Michael that I've also known uh, for for a long time, we're a great team. You know, we work well together. Uh, we uh, we're very complementary in our uh, skill set, um, and that that's important, I think. Um, and uh, yeah, for for me, the the challenge and 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 proving to myself that. I, I can do this. Uh, I can do this well. Um, yeah, that that's that can be rewarding if it turns out well, as I hope, <laughs> of course. Um, but yeah, you, you never know whether this is going to be forever. Of course. One of the guys over beer says, "Guys, uh, we need to get together." I have this brilliant idea. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think uh, all of you would be. Bling! I will definitely listen to it. <laughs> but that that's the thing is that. Um, with with our own startup, if I with the same ideas that we had when he founded the company, which was very naive, if I would never do that again. So because you're much less naive, the the bar for me to do this again is a lot higher, um, which would probably increase the chances of success a lot. But it makes it more difficult to start with something because it needs to tick a lot of boxes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We will keep in touch. Yeah. Yes. Uh, thanks so much, Reinhard. Uh, really enjoyed this uh, this conversation. We always end up with uh, the same final question. 
And that is if you could send one signal message to all the CISOs across the world, what would that message state? That's a tough one. I know. I, I would say good luck. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> with a, a smiley with a, with face a smile. or a <laughs> winky <laughs> face. Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, they've got a tough job. And I, what I don't really truly understand is their job is so important that too often I see CISOs that simply are, don't get the budget uh, and, uh, and, and, and the say at the board level that they should have to make sure that a company can fulfill its, its mission and, 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 uh, and, and do that in a, in a way that uh, reduces massive problems that you can have when, when there's a, a breach or an incident. Um, yeah, it, it, you, all, you almost think that you know, every company then seemingly needs to go through a, a serious cyber attack before they put their priorities where they should be, right? So yeah. I, I sometimes feel for, for CISOs, to be honest. So some reflection on that and uh, maybe good. Yeah, good luck to them. Good luck to them, again. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Lawrence. It was great. Thank you for listening to Cybersecurity Talks. We hope you've enjoyed this episode with the latest trends, war stories, and exciting career anecdotes. If you enjoyed the show, please review this podcast on your favorite podcast app. Also, could you do me one small favor? Could you please share this podcast with one friend that you think would like this show just as much as you do? Thank you. And for all further information, please go to csrecruitment.nl slash talks and subscribe to this podcast. We will be back with another exciting episode in just two weeks. So see you next time and stay safe.